This is a CQ University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. When you first came, did you have a plan in place? Do you, did you think, you know, oh, I could do this with this university? <coughs> oh, look, I think everybody knows around about 10 years ago, the university had, had got into a position where we needed to renew it. Uh, and that is a really good place to be. I think if you're coming in to lead an organisation, it is fantastic when the university governance, the council knows that something needs to change, when the staff need to know there's something to change. And uh, as I said, I'd got really interested with universities, how they could engage with their communities. And I just took this as a great opportunity, really, just to to, to put in place a plan that would all be all be around uh, in engagement with communities, and just was really lucky that found you know a group of people here that also wanted to be involved in going to a better place, and were willing to. Um, to go with that engagement agenda. And it's probably only in the year, you know, thinking about and reflecting on it, it's probably only in the last year why I've understood why that worked. Because if I'd have come in here and said, look, these are my values and these are now going to be the university values, this is all going to be about engagement. If I'd have done that in a number of universities, that I'd have fallen flat on my face and the university would have failed miserably. What I haven't understood until probably the last year and probably with the 25th anniversary celebrations is that I wasn't actually doing anything new. You know, I wasn't coming into this university and saying, we're going to do something completely different. We're going to adopt a new set of values. In fact, the values and that engagement and that inclusive university, university for everyone, they were embedded in the university way back when it first became uh, an institute of higher education. I think all I was doing was allowing people to engage with those values from the beginning. So really I got lucky uh, that I came to a university uh, that may have been in a, a little bit of strife at that stage, but fundamentally the values were good, the people were good, and it really just needed to set in place the, the chance for people to just go and live those values. I, for me, I don't think there is a better fit of any university in Australia, and I definitely wouldn't go and work at any other university in Australia. Um, not long after you, you came here, we saw an expansion in the Allied Health programs. Can you tell us a little bit about what um, drove that idea and um, what benefits we've seen? Oh, well, I think it was the engagement agenda that drove that. Look, I may be oversimplifying this and I'll leave others to think whether this is right or not. I think we've had three stages in the university and we're probably just going into a fourth. But stage one was the university came into being and it was about central Queensland and it was focused on central Queensland and did some incredible things. Stage two is it, it got into going into more remote campuses, particularly in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, and there was a big internationalisation. And the university did incredible things in that time. You know, what it did in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, no other universities managed to do that. 
I think where it got into a little bit of, uh, where it lost its way a little bit is maybe there was a bit too much focus on the metros and it kind of forgot about its heartland, which is regional Australia, which is central Queensland. Then stage three, and I, you know, I dare say that that's when I came on, back on board, where we re-engaged with stage one and said central Queensland's important to us. In fact, regional Australia is important to us. So let's not give up on Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, but let's not make them the centre of everything. Let's make central Queensland the centre. So that's when the engagement agenda started and, uh, you know, saying, well, what does this region need? Well, if you go back in, back into those times, um, it was really difficult to find a radiographer. It was really difficult to get a physiotherapist or a speech pathologist, speech pathologists in particular, uh, podiatrists, um, oral health people. So University of Queensland had got things pretty covered on the uh, medical side, producing doctors and lots of doctors that wanted to come back here and work. I think they'd done a great job. Uh, but we couldn't get allied health people. Um, so really that was a great push. People wanted to train to do those professions in central Queensland and there were jobs for them. So that's why we went into that area uh, and luckily we, we've been successful at those and some of those are now some of our big programs. Um, and I think you know what also happened in that period, we didn't give up on those remote campuses and in fact as you know we started opening them everywhere but we did did focus on central queen said look this is our home this is where our heart is we will always be central queensland but you know what we're doing is pretty good and we will export that to other regions we will put that into other regional areas of australia we will carry on to grow sydney melbourne and brisbane and adelaide and now perth but we will never again forget that our real power, and I'm stealing this uh, without any feeling of guilt from Sandra Hardin up at James Cook University, the power of this university comes from its place, and our place is central Queensland. Yeah, and I think we've sort of, um, that community spirit and that community engagement that we've got going on in central Queensland, I think the expansion to areas in WA, for example, I think that's sort of come to the fore as well. Can you tell us about why WA, why um, some of those other areas that we've had hubs come up? And... Um, well, well, WA was an interesting one because uh, we were, you know, we, we were starting to expand out into more regional areas. We were talking about, we were making people sick with always talking about engagement, 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 working with communities. Uh, we'd, we'd made some big shifts in the engagement committees. We had places like Bundaberg really driving their own future, saying we want engineering um, and getting engineering. So we had these autonomous regions with what became the associate vice chancellors really driving those regions. And other people started talking to us, can you do that in our region? And I met um, uh, the Geraldton university centre people at a conference and they were telling me how they'd got this in, incredible setup there uh, but the universities they were working with weren't that interested in regional Australia and were looking to pull out and to leave them high and dry. So we actually did a deal, uh, 
sort of after about half an hour talking and uh, we shook hands on it and you know I think they probably thought from their experience at universities that uh, you know nothing would really happen but we delivered on it and I'm a great believer that when we shake hands on a deal that's when the deal is done not when the MOU is in place not when the contract's in place not when all the legals it's when you shake hands and say look someone in the eye and say we are going to do this Uh, And we've done it, and that's been a great success. Um, And then we looked in other places. Um, We'd we'd then had, you know, I think what was the great experiment in Cairns and Townsville, and we decided to take that model out. Uh, We knew we had some issues around distance learning and had to do something different because so many competitors were coming into that market. I don't think we've seen anything yet. So, you know, we put the study centres in, and then we put a couple of study centres in in Western Australia. Uh, and then we we opened the campuses in Cairns and Townsville and decided to give it a go in Perth as well. We have become that national university, and you know we are everywhere. Um, it's all going really well. I think Perth will be a real challenge for us because it is so far away. Uh, but we've got some really great people working out there, so I'm sure it turned out well. Um, Siki, it's not an ordinary university. It seems to be have a a different feel um, to other universities. Can you talk about the importance of flexibility and accessibility for the university? You know, we do say that we're a university for everybody. Uh, And, you know, I think we all get a kick when we go to graduation and see the range of people walking across that stage. You know, um, so many people, you know, like me, (laughs) that failed year... 11 and 12 and probably didn't think that they would ever go to university you know, so there's a lot of people like that people who uh, for whatever reason couldn't leave the community to go elsewhere because of family reasons for uh, financial reasons or just emotional reasons you know there's some people that really don't want to leave this community and why would you you could argue um, so you get that whole range of people and I think since we merged with TAFE that's increase that by tenfold so when you see some of our TAFE graduates going across the stage uh, and then you see people getting PhDs I think the flexibility is really important uh, to allow everyone a chance at university um, but I also think when you when you look what we've done with the study centres we've also taken some of the distance out of distance so students can meet their fellow students um, they can meet on the video with their tutors Um, so that flexibility is important and I guess it's becoming a bit more important for staff you know we've had some absolutely incredible staff that for whatever reason have uh, decided to relocate to another part of Australia often because of a partner's work or family illnesses well there's not many places in Australia that we haven't got a campus Uh, now obviously we can't do it every time uh, but we try and be flexible, um, you, you know, and let people do that. And TAFE um, has joined us in, in 2014. That would have been a big decision to make, um, and it's an unusual one for a university. Hmm. Look, I think, Priscilla, we're, we're at the beginning of that journey. We're three years into it, but we're still at the beginning. We haven't done enough there yet. It is a game-changer, definitely came from our engagement agenda uh, and particularly our engagement agenda with industry that said you know you really should be working 
across the tertiary education spectrum. So you should be working in training as well as higher education, as well as research. Um, so that's when we, we decided that we would go into training uh, and we were going to set up our own training organisation. And then we came up the, of the idea with merging with TAFE. I think um, some of the things we've done have, have been spectacularly good. If you have a look at what we're doing around nursing, uh, we've got some great pathways in there. We've now got around about 70 pathways from uh, TAFE into the university, and they're starting to take off. Why I say I think we're at the beginning of the journey, uh, I think we've still got to make our staff from the old university and from the whole TAFE realise that they are one group of staff. And some people have done that really well. Uh, but I think there's still a bit of a divide and we've got to work really hard to break that divide down and make people realise that everyone's of value. And I think it's the same with the students as well. So, look, we, we've, we've got off to a, a good start and we're making a lot of headway. Uh, but really, you know, I think we've got another five, ten years to really just see that, you know, this isn't a TAFE and a university. This is just a university that does education. Um, in recent years, the university has gone out of its way to nurture a giving back sort of philosophy. Can you tell us why we've sort of gone that um, philanthropic sort of way? Uh, look, universities are incredible organisations. We, you know, we are not a business. And you, you have to keep reminding yourself of that and you have to remind the managers of that. We're not a business. Businesses only have one purpose, and that is to increase the owner's wealth. So if you're running a, a little news agency, the prime purpose of that news agency is to increase your wealth because you earn it. If you are a big multinational company, your only purpose is to increase the wealth of the shareholders. Fantastic news. Guess what? CQ University doesn't have any shareholders. We have not got to concentrate on increasing their wealth. Um, so we have got to run the university in a very business-like fashion. I mean, we've got to look after our finances. We've got to use our resources in the best possible way. But we haven't got shareholders. So that gives us the opportunity to do things that businesses can't. And one thing that I think is uh, really important to our students, and remember they're the people that are actually paying for the education, is I, I think it's almost universal that our students want to make a difference in the world. And you just see this all the time. Talk to any of our students and they want to make a difference and they will go out of their way to make a difference. If you like, they really want to give back. Uh, so we can have schemes to send people abroad uh, and you know we get a few applicants for it. If we say, why don't you go abroad and work in Cambodia, in a school in Cambodia, or why don't you go to Nepal and work in a clinic, or why don't you go to India and work in an orphanage, people are queuing up around the block. You know, Even though they're going to India, they're going to have to find their own airfares, they're going to have to sleep in a dormitory, um, you know, and it's going to be a bit rough over there. They're queuing up round the block because they want to go and make a difference. Um, so I think that's what we've tied into, that you know, it hasn't got to always be about how much you can put in the bank at the end of the year. 
for us, it's how many students we can support to do what they want to do. And obviously their prime want is to get a good education and get their degree. But I think there is a secondary want to, to make a difference in the world. So that's, I think we've tied into something. And again, we're not finished in this journey. I think we're, we've, we've locking into something which is incredibly powerful. And I think you are now starting to see a small trickle of students that are coming to this university because they know that that is our philosophy. You know, we also want to help them to make a difference in the world. We are recognised in social innovation. You know, come here, you will get a degree, but you will also make a difference while you're a student, and we will set you up with the skills that will enable you to make a difference when you graduate. And I think that is incredibly powerful. And yet we do give back to organisations in a, a number of ways. Uh, but that's really just, we're following in this one. We're following the philosophy of our students. And, you know, don't let anyone tell you. Because, you know, you go and look on social media or in some of the, the newspapers and it's all about how young people are selfish and it's all about them and it's about them getting a job and... Uh, that's not my experience. My experience is young people and the students we have in this university are the most unselfish people you could imagine. Life as a Vice-Chancellor, it's a pretty hectic, pretty busy. Are you sick of airports yet? It's not as hectic as some people think. I think some Vice-Chancellors love to tell you how busy they are. Uh, I mean, if you've got incredible people around, you don't have to do much at all, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I've got Joe Perry, who's the director of my office. I mean, she does most of the work. Yeah, look, it can get busy at some times. And am I, am I fed up of airports? Look, I'll be completely honest. Yeah, I'm fed up with airports. Uh, the interesting thing is, I think uh, that when... I'm probably speaking out of school here, and probably some of my fellow VCs won't like me saying it, but... I came to this job from being a Deputy Vice-Chancellor International. When I did that job, I was travelling a lot more than I do now. So I was literally you know, doing two five-week round-the-world trips every year. So two of those, then lots of little trips in between. I was also very involved in a big campus up in Singapore. So I was on aeroplanes a lot. And five or six weeks on the road living out of a suitcase where you're in a different hotel just about every night. Uh, and if you get two nights in a hotel, it's like paradise. The hotel becomes like home. It, it puts you off business travel. I'm still very much into leisure travel, but business travel, it puts you off. So I'd say that if you want to, if you want to have a low-cost vice-chancellor, get a DVC that's been a, uh, a DVC international, because they're not going to want to travel anywhere. Travelling around Australia, that's interesting. I don't get the same kind of, you know, feeling of, oh, you know, another international airport. I think I've been here so long now. You just get, you know, travelling up to Mackay or travelling, you know, down to Sydney or Melbourne. You know, people don't say, don't, don't, I get back and people say, don't you get fed up with flying? I think, oh, have I just flown? It's, you know, you just... And the other thing about people say, oh, I'm so over flying... Well, you don't have to flap your wings. I mean, you just sit there and get fed most of the time. <laughs> On the topic of flying, you're actually a pilot yourself and you've travelled in your own plane from place to place around the country too. Is you still doing that? Or? 
Uh, no, I'm not. I've sold the plane, uh, and I haven't flown for about six months now. Um, I think the best place I flew was when I was uh, Dean down, down in Wyala. You know, the, the weather was always great down in South Australia, and I used to fly backwards and uh, forwards to Adelaide. I, I don't know whether I've got the bottle to do that trip anymore. I used to think, I used to fly over a lot of water. I used to fly over the Spencer Gulf, and I used to fly over it quite late at night in a an old 1962 Piper Cherokee, which was older than me, although I was born in 62. Uh, and I, I now think of that, and a shiver runs down my spine. Yeah, I was flying over that, a lot of sea, in a single-engine old aeroplane. Anyway, uh, but I used to fly a lot. I then went up, was going to do that up in Cairns, but the weather was restrictive up, right up in the tropics. I did it here... Uh, but sometimes, you know, if you really want to get there, go commercial, because the weather always gets in the way. And as I said, you know, one of my earliest dreams was to be a pilot. Well, I, I did that. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know, Priscilla. Maybe I'm getting to that kind of stage of life now where I'm kind of thinking I don't need to fly anymore, and I've kind of done that. And I'm really happy I did it, and I got a lot out of it, and I owned all sorts of aeroplanes. I did gliding. I flew some of the most rickety-looking ultralights you could imagine. But I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm 50, what am I now, I'm in 54, which I know is not that old. But you do get to think, well, I've done that. Oh, look, I've always someone that's had lots of hobbies. And I kind of have lots of hobbies. And I, 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 I've got probably attention deficit disorder in a strange kind of way because I've become completely focused on it. Everything could be about pottery. And people will see lots of packages arriving upstairs from eBay that I've ordered. Um, and then I'll do that for about six months. And then it'll be marine tropical fish and everything could be centred on that. And then it'll be, I'll become a collector of Winston Churchill memorabilia. And then I'll move on to doing up old Land Rovers. Um, I mean, how Anita copes with that and is so tolerant of that. I just don't really understand, but luckily she is. But I need to get back into the Land Rovers because I've got three Land Rovers and Austin Champion parts in the garage, so you can hardly move in there. So I've got to start putting things together. I did have a phrase on boats, doing up old boats, but I do up these old boats, and then I think, well, that was really good, but I actually don't like boating that much, so I've sort of just give them away <laughs> okay yeah uh, finally what's the future hold for CQ Uni and how, where do you see yourself in 10 20 years um okay uh, look I think the future for CQ University is incredibly bright we you know we've we've got our problems all universities have and we're we're always you know, we are the servants of our political masters and, you know, these are uncertain times politically. Um, so, but we are in a very strong position now. Uh, and interestingly enough, you know, when we started on that renewal plan, we said everything was going to be around engagement and we weren't going to do what every other university does, which is try to pour money in research and become a big research university. Bizarrely, and this is... This, I'm taking no credit for this whatsoever. And even though we concentrated on that stuff, our values over there, 
the research has just come up. So as you know, today um, it's just been an announcement that we're in the top hundred young universities in the world. There's thousands of universities and we are now ranked at number 90 in the whole world as a university, uh, as a new university under 50 years of age. Uh, if you have a look at a narrow band, the Generation X universities, we're in the top 50. Um, you know, our MBA has just been ranked as a tier one MBA. So all of, we, we're on a roll. Uh, the momentum, uh, we've got the momentum. And in the words of the great uh, Donald Trump before he was president, you know, one of his key pieces of advice is play the momentum. You know, once you get the momentum going, keep doing it. So keep doing the activities. So I think the future is incredibly bright. I think we are seen as the most engaged university. I think, you know, our student numbers are still going up. Um, I, I just think this university is going to go from strength to strength. Uh, where will I be in the next 20 years? Well, probably 20 years. I'll be looking at the lid, uh, I dare say. Um, one thing, oh, well, you said what, what's, what's the key thing that's driving me at the moment? I am trying to get a lot fitter. You know, I've, I've carried a lot of weight. You know, one thing about these jobs, there is always a lot of food. Um, I remember I was, once someone stood in for me, and I heard this secondhand, but he stood in as acting VC, and someone said, oh, how was it uh, being vice-chancellor? And his only thing he could say is, I couldn't take the lunches. So there is a lot of food, and if you're naturally a pig, you tend to eat lots and lots, and you get very big. So I am thinking now, this is the last chance. Yeah, I'm 55, and uh, I think I've got to lose the weight, and I've got to keep it off. And I think if I can do that, probably I give myself an extra 10 years. And I'm at, at that, that age, Priscilla, where you start to think, well, 10 year, an extra 10 years is probably worth having, you know. Uh, will I be here in 20 years? Uh, no. Will I be here in 10 years? To be honest, very unlikely. Um, Will I, will in 10 years, I, you, I, will I be a vice-chancellor at another university? The answer is no. I, I will never work at another university apart from this one. I know they say never say never, uh, but my heart is at this university. I, I couldn't imagine going to work at other unis. And I, I see, and I'm not criticising, but I do see other VCs moving between universities. And I think that's fantastic, and it's great they can do that, and they achieve something brilliant in one uni, and then they go to another and do something brilliant there as well. I just couldn't do that. You know, I, you know how can I tell people at this university, this is the greatest university, I really believe in it. You know, this, this university is me. And then walk in one morning and say, uh, well, actually, this other university is a bit better, so I'm going to go and work there. Um, so, you know, where will I be in 10 years? As, as I said, you know, I'm, I met my wife very young. We had children very young. They're now grown up. We've got grandchildren. Um, I, I think I'd probably, you know, in 10 years' time, like to be spending a lot more time with her uh, and doing some interesting things and probably not working. Uh, but the uni's not getting rid of me uh, that quickly. Mm -hmm.